Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B., joined today by Jacob. Hello. And we're going to be talking about RPGs on Kickstarter. We've talked in the past about how Kickstarter is this amazing platform for board games, but you can also find some tabletop RPGs on there. So we're going to be mm-hmm. covering some of what's available, some of the innovations that people have come up with, uh, and just generally taking a look at it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first, let's jump in and talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, so we got a new one at the table this week. You and I sat down to play a game of Whistle Stop. Yep. Which is, uh, it's a train game, so of course you mm-hmm. love it. Yes. You described it as a pick-up-and-deliver game, which is totally accurate. Mm-hmm. You're basically moving your trains from one side of the map to the other, and for the most part, they can only go in one direction. Yeah. There, there are some rules that change that, but overall, you're trying to get from right to left, and mm-hmm. you are trying to pick up and drop off certain colors of cube along the way in order to maximize your points. So yep. it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. This was my first time playing it. You mm-hmm. played it, uh, I think, a couple of times. Yeah, I've played it a few times. And I thought it was great. You, you've basically got these little hexagonal tiles mm-hmm. uh, that you're using to build the train routes as you go along. So you're mm-hmm. deciding, okay, I need a white cube next. I've got a, a route with a white cube in my hand. I'm going to put that down and move into that. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of tiling, a little bit of, you know, not territory control, but kind of you get to stake out your like yeah. corner of the map and you have like you get to determine what gets placed on the on mm-hmm. the map there and part of why that was for us was because it was a two-player game yeah. and so we had a little bit more breathing room but it is you know it's going to be a core mechanic no matter how many players you've got and then yeah the the pick up and deliver stuff yeah i, I think it's, it's a lot of fun i like the way that it it has a lot of spatial awareness so if you like a game like ticket to ride for example where you have to like you know compete for getting to the uh, the routes and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. In this game, like you're more competing for getting to the different resources, and then you have ways of like blocking other people or like have uh, some combative kinds of upgrades and that that type of stuff that you can get. And it also has quite a bit of replayability because uh, a lot of the setup is very variable. Mm-hmm. So there could be different things that you're working towards, and you could have set yourself up in a place that was way too far away from where where the cubes that you have would be good or something right. like that. And so you'll like start going and you'll start like learning like what's best and maybe I'll set up what I need here rather than having to go across the map to try to get it and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, you know, forethought that goes into this. You have to think, okay, not only what do I need to do in the short term, but also what are sort of my goals in the long term? Uh, there's some elements of like stock taking mm-hmm, and trading mm-hmm. so you can kind of keep those in mind as you're going along but also because you can only hold three tiles in your hand at a time and because yeah. you can only make four moves mm-hmm. on a given turn you you know you can have a long-term plan in mind but you really do have to adapt very quickly yeah uh, so it's definitely not a game tickets to ride you know, it's very much a game about okay this is my long-term strategy for getting here and then that can be disrupted mm-hmm. in this you can yeah have a long-term strategy but realistically you're just going to have a sequence of short-term strategies yeah exactly you can have something that you're you're working toward but how you're going to get there you don't really know yet exactly exactly um and i think that that's one of the cool things about the game is just like uh, the way that the, it develops and that like you know oh you pick up a tile that just oh this is going to be a really really good because i'm in this area and i can just go you know here and back and all that but I also like the uh, limit on the movement that you have, where it's mm-hmm. not even like the um, action points or something like that that you normally have. It's 
like the coal and the whistles that you have, which allow you to do certain amounts of movement and certain types of movement. And you can save those up. You can use them later on. You could like, if you wanted to, you could save up and like have uh, like a short turn one time. And then the next, the next round you go and have like a full four, uh, four token movement. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be very interesting to try to plan for all that. Yeah, definitely lots of different options, uh, lots of different ways that you can sort of approach uh, how you build the track, how you finalize your strategy. Very interesting game. Looking forward to playing it again, uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also today, I got to play some X-Wing. Nice. So I got to bring that to table. I was teaching our friend William how to play it. Okay. He, He got a set at the used game sale and... So we sat down and, and played it, and he ended up uh, beating me. Nice. Um, I was playing the Imperials. He was playing the Rebels. Okay. And did he have it? So now I know they just switched to a second edition. Did he have, like, the conversion kit, or was no, this? No, okay. we, we played first edition. Gotcha. I'm going to get the second edition kit at some point in the not-too-distant future, uh, and then I'm going to have that so whenever anyone plays with me, I can pretty much just uh, convert any Rebels and sure. uh, Imperials to the uh, second edition stuff. It's a good way to do it. And that way, like, for the most part, not everyone will have to actually uh, get them if, if we're playing just that he- uh, here or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to trying that out. But it was interesting. I got to, you know, use a strategy that I really like, which is using the TIE Phantoms, uh, which is like to go all disappear mm. and like, you know, just disappear and then reappear in different places and cloak and decloak and that Ambush. kind of stuff. Yep, pretty much. You never know where they are. But unfortunately, the X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon, uh, piloted by Ray, was a little bit too much for me. Plot armor, man. Mm-hmm. That's all. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they managed to... The last ship standing was the Slave One, by, uh, piloted by Boba Fett from, nice. from my side. So Okay, I mean, that's a little bit of plot armor, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why it was the last one standing. Yeah, it. yeah. Also, the fact that it had a lot of actual armor. <laughs> <laughs> Never hurts to uh, yeah back up your back mm-hmm. up your first plan but i managed to destroy luke skywalker pretty early which is usually a very difficult thing to do all right well, because there you go. luke skywalker plus r2d2 is a combination that is really really powerful i know nothing about the game but that does not surprise me in the slightest <laughs> yep uh, so it was fun i i enjoyed it it was it was fun to get that to table again and i'm looking forward to yeah, trying, like, maybe doing a four-player game, maybe streaming that at some point, because that, that yeah. would be cool. I mean, I'd be down to learn. I yeah. just, I haven't wanted to get sucked into, I know people get really, like, into the competitive mm-hmm. gameplay. I know each of the ships comes in, like, its own yeah. box, or and I'm just, I'm not looking to have that kind of a money sink. Yeah. So. Uh, Which is why, like, that's, that's why I have so many things. It's just, like, I have enough to field a decent, both a Rebel and a Imperial game. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know that's all you really need right people can just come over use your sets exactly and then like you know if we have someone like tj over who has his own set and he has a lot more imperial than uh than i do so like then you can have like a four-player game with like a big imperial side and a big rebel side right so yeah i think uh, that that'll be a fun one to do on stream at some point cool cool Mm -hmm. speaking of streams we uh we got to play gloomhaven for the first time in like two weeks uh, all right, and almost a month. I, was it almost a month? Oh, yeah, God. it was like all of October that we missed it. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, we got to play. Yes. Uh, so that was exciting, and we got to continue your uh, Staff of Zorn yes. quest line, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting. We had sort of a gauntlet style. Where it was just survive yeah. for 10 waves, and so that was really treacherous. Oh, we, yeah. uh, we're definitely skin of our teeth. I had two health. I think William had pretty low health. Yeah. You were fine because you had stocked up on heals, but... Yeah. I mean, I was the healer, so I was healing you guys. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, goddamn poison. Yeah. Poison was yeah. the bane of our existence those, in that game. Those oozes, was, yeah. they were just real devastating. The oozes were bad, and then the um, uh, the vipers. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the vipers yeah. as well. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty rough, but we, we pulled it out. So we're now through the second out of three parts, yes. I believe, of mm-hmm. the Staff of Zorn quest line. You now have the actual empowered Staff of Zorn, yes, which is I like do. a two-handed weapon yeah, or something. Yeah, it's, it's got some interesting stuff. Uh, it's like a one-time use suit in a campaign or in a, in a quest uh, weapon uh, that I forget exactly what it gives me, but it, it gives me some good stuff. It'll be interesting to see who comes out of this quest. Yeah, I mean, definitely it'll be interesting to see that. And I'm also really excited just to retire a character. Mm-hmm. Because when you retire your first character, you get to crack open the, I think it's called the ledger mm-hmm. or something, the town ledger. So I want to see what's in there. I'm yeah. really excited about that. Yeah, well, we are going to not jump straight into the last one because we do want to get the prosperity of the town up one more notch. Right, so you can start at level three. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't start at level two. <laughs> right, yeah, no, that's good planning. So, yeah, we're going to do that, but... Definitely keep an eye out on our Twitch and YouTube channels because that's going to be coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. Keep a lookout for it. Well, that's a look at what we've been playing lately. All right. Well, as the uh, listeners to our podcast might know, I love Kickstarter. He really does. He's a <laughs> Kickstarter aficionado. And so today we're going to tackle uh, one of the things that I really like to back on Kickstarter, which are RPGs. I've backed way too many for my own good, but <laughs> but they're fun. They, and like each one of them can be very unique, very different. And like, it's really cool to see what is on Kickstarter with uh, RPGs because uh, there's a lot of different types. And we're not really going to go into the, the different settings that you can get for existing RPGs. We want to talk a little bit more about the actual systems themselves and like the new systems that are coming out Mm -hmm. because there are even more like just tons and tons of just like this is a setting for pathfinder this is like a new monster book for dnd there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff and then there's also a lot of like other accessories so like campaign coins and other things like that which of course i also got a few of those right miniatures terrain dice Mm -hmm. sort of peripherals like that yeah uh, which are obviously hugely popular because people are always in the need of more high quality peripherals Mm -hmm. but that's not really what we're going to focus on Mm -hmm. today so the first thing we wanted to mention was just some of these rpgs are gaining a lot of money on kickstarter they're Mm -hmm. getting a lot of popularity you have uh, the the most funded kickstarter uh, that that we know of uh, for an rpg is seems to be 7th c second edition uh which raised 1.3 million dollars it's a lot of scratch that is a lot, and uh, my money was part of that one point three million. And that, <laughs> so I have it on my on my bookshelf. Is this like a disclosure um, statement? Yeah, it's just like I actually own it. I put it in there, and so this actually brings up one interesting point because that is a second edition. This is a game that w- that first came out in nineteen ninety nine, and now in twenty eighteen, twenty years later, almost like new edition. Mm-hmm. Right? Technically, I think it got back like a year or two ago. Either way, almost 20 years, almost two decades, and they're coming out with a new edition. And 
this is something that you see a lot of on Kickstarter and especially with Kickstarter RPGs. You have 7C second edition. You have a Scion second edition. You've got... Well, Call a Cthulhu seventh, yeah. I think edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the 20th anniversary, like deluxe. I don't think it's a new edition. I think it's just almost like a re-release mm-hmm. of Mage: The Ascension. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of people who are taking to Kickstarter to sort of reboot mm-hmm. franchises. Yeah. Polaris or, second edition. Polaris second edition, <laughs> which. <laughs> oh, okay. It's PTSD. so much potential. So much potential. Such a good idea Uh, and setting um, we'll talk about that later (laughs) you know and so i feel like you know with the popularity of 7c i almost have to imagine that back in the day it was this beloved Mm -hmm. you know rpg which i i don't know that was before i started playing rpgs so i don't know if it was or not but there's definitely people who are using this as an opportunity to revive Mm -hmm. things that were previously dormant bring things into uh, the 21st century with rules updates reach a new audience even reach sort of the specific audience yeah because you know you think about something like call of cthulhu you think Mm -hmm. about something like even 7c which is can be fairly generic in terms of swash swash buckle buckle that's still a nautical themed rpg that's Mm -hmm. fairly niche so you're they're using kickstarter to sort of reach these audiences that are maybe a little bit less generic than say the audience of people who's going to play D &D, or who's going to play I insert sci-fi RPG system here, Shadowrun, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and Kickstarter is, is in many ways, and this is both for board games and for RPGs, mitigating a risk because they're putting it up there and they're seeing how the the public responds to it before they print it rather than the traditional way of, here, let's put a lot of money into it, create all this stuff, print it, and, and it doesn't sell. Yeah. So... I think in general, like that really helps a lot of creators. And I think that that shines, especially when it comes to new RPGs and new RPG systems. Mm -hmm. And this is something like Awaken, an RPG that we actually streamed at one point and we really enjoy. Yeah. It's a fun system. It's an interesting system. And the lore behind it is really cool. Some really cool artwork. It's just really well done. But it's not something that would have probably been flying off the store shelves and it probably would not never have been made if not for kickstarter right you've got you know lots of examples of that you you know you mentioned awaken also there's one that you pointed me towards just the other day called line mm-hmm. which is this really interesting rpg about shapeshifters in sort of a small town but it's not you know it's not this like you're a werewolf you have to hunt all these things it's very low-key it's very personal it focuses on the struggles that these people go through as they try to reconcile their bestial forms with their human forms so Mm -hmm. it's very unconventional i suppose you could say um and so kickstarter sort of represents an opportunity to appeal to the types of people who would be interested in that Mm -hmm. and and almost like targeted marketing yeah exactly and then there's there's a really interesting one uh north sea epilogues right so for those of you who don't know, Raiders of the North Sea was a nominee for Spiel des Jahres uh, last year. And so this is a board game. And they decided to say, all right, well, we have enough cool lore here. Let's go ahead and make this into an RPG. Franchise. So like, that's that's a lot of, of fun. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to checking it out and like uh, when it finally gets here. 
and seeing it especially because the art style of these games already is extremely stylized and extremely cool Mm -hmm. and then you just put that into the rpg and now you have you have a viking rpg right based on a board game (laughs) which is i mean that's a fairly unique combination of of things of descriptors exactly and and it's something that that never would have happened if it hadn't been for kickstarter and i mean like most of those games never would have happened in general but yeah Right. And yet, you know, it's not like they're unsuccessful either. So you yeah. look, uh, we, we were browsing through and we saw there's Numenera, mm-hmm. which is, it's a completely original thing. It's not a reboot. It's not a revitalization. Mm-hmm. It is a brand new system that earned half a million dollars yeah. on Kickstarter, which is, you know, an amazing success. For sure. So it just goes to show you that it's not just, you know, established IPs that are taking advantage of this platform. It's, you know, you've got amazing opportunities for i mean admittedly numenera was from monty cook who was already sort of an established name yeah had some bona fides but even that there's room for innovation in the system mm-hmm. there's room for innovation in terms of new designers hitting the scene testing things out uh, appealing to a niche audience mm-hmm. and really having success with this yeah and, and these are the kinds of things that i'm actually like one of the reasons that i love rpgs is that it, they get to transport you to different kinds of worlds and that kind of stuff and this is why I backed so many different ones, because one of the ones that I, I backed called Scion 2nd Edition is, it is a 2nd Edition of a game system that was, I think, first published somewhere in like the uh, 80s, 90s, something okay. like that. pretty old school. So pretty old school. But you just don't see this kind of theme. The theme of it is modern day, but all the gods are real. So think American gods, mm-hmm. and all of your players are demigods. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and it's just like that is one thing that that's fascinated me forever. I've I was a fan of the uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians books. Mm-hmm. I like American Gods quite a bit, and just the the concept of having the gods existing in our world right now and having like this veil and like all these demigods like running around, and it's so cool because th- that captured so much uh, so many people's imaginations that it got a lot of money, and now they're you know putting in not only greek mythology they've got norse mythology they've got uh egyptian mythology they've got a hindu mythology they've got uh i think chinese and japanese they've got oh and and also native american and that type of stuff so like they've just got like all this stuff going from all these different places and and it allowed the public to pretty much go in and say like yes we really like this idea make us more of it Mm -hmm. and though that is a uh established ip in the past this kind of revitalization never would have happened if it hadn't been for crowdfunding and i'm so excited for that and so excited for a lot of these kinds of rpgs that are things that you would never see otherwise right and that's exactly right you've got you know we talked about opportunities for new developers to get into the space and make something really amazing and also to do stuff that is wildly unconventional yeah so uh one of the rpgs that was on kickstarter that i haven't personally played yet but absolutely cannot wait to try out is microscope yeah uh and microscope is just this fascinating system where you're telling a story that spans eons Mm -hmm. and you're zooming in and out to various different levels of the story so you've got you know on the one hand you've got 
the the sort of macro level where you're looking at a period of history that can be a couple hundred years and mm. then a different player chooses to drill down and say okay well let's look at this uh period with inside that era mm-hmm. and then another player chooses to drill down and say okay well let's look at a scene within mm-hmm. that period and then yeah. that's what you actually play as players which is is amazing and you mm-hmm. can jump around through through time through history you have it it represents a, a form of storytelling that is non-linear yeah which is like mind-blowing and mm-hmm. super cool and i i absolutely can't wait to play it and i think it's something that maybe would have gotten made even without this but maybe it wouldn't have gotten quite as much traction mm-hmm. and i think without kickstarter it's just it enables people to take risks yeah you know it enables people to say hey i've got this really unconventional idea i'm going to take it to the internet rather than having to take it to a publisher and say like mm-hmm. You know, be at their mercy almost. You yeah. know, they can go directly to the consumer and say, "I think this is pretty cool. Who's with me?" Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Yeah, and the same goes for some other games. Like, I mean, dialect, a game about a language and how it dies. I mean, first of all, like just thinking about the that title itself. If you took that to most publishers, you would probably get laughed out of the room. Right. Yeah. Like, talk about what a subtitle. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I want to do an RPG about languages. Like, about people fighting over languages? No, about how language lives and dies. Okay. (laughs) Who let you into my office? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I have it right now, and I'm looking forward to trying it out, and it just seems really, really interesting. And it's one of those ideas that's out of left field, like... you're not even really working as people. You're working like and, and like as forces that, that are changing and like going through language and that kind of stuff. And that's such a risk and such a an interesting concept that is very much like it's it's a an RPG that's completely unique in my point of view. Yeah. And you know, there's there's so many examples of that. You know, you've got the ones we've mentioned. You've got uh, Phoenix Dawn Command, yeah. which was kickstarted. We've talked about it before. It's an RPG that you power up by dying, mm-hmm. and core gameplay. The mechanics are card based. Yep. Which is like what? Yeah. Uh, how does that work? And you know, you've got that. You've got things with sort of unconventional settings like Monster Hearts, The Watch, things that just mm-hmm. take ideas about what an RPG looks like and throw them out the window yeah and they say no i want to make an rpg about this and that just because nobody's done that before there's no reason that i can't do that now mm-hmm. uh and so it's it's amazing this breath of fresh air that you can see just in the rpg space when we were doing research for this episode what was the one we found thousand year old vampire yeah a role-playing so, yeah. game yeah. like and talk about, you want to talk about niche yeah thousand year old vampire there's only so much you can do with that yeah but it's getting great funding uh exactly. you know people are really it's something about the mechanics of it or something mm-hmm. about the story of it. It's compelling to people. And so, you know, they can they can jump in and they can buy and they can have this experience, which is super great. Yeah, and, and it's also interesting just how like all these different things like work. It's it's like you you have such an audience that is interested in all these different kinds of things. You've got like the big open world fantasy games and like that have some small twists on the on the regular genres like um, you know, Open Legend, that's a uh, Kickstarter that pretty much had a fully open sourced RPG that you can just get on, you go online to Open Legend and just, a, it's there for free. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to fund an actual book 
of it and so they did and and they got a lot of funding and now it has a setting written partially by matt mercer and ed greenwood which is pretty freaking cool so that's pretty awesome and then you have another one like savage world which even though it's based on the system that that has been used in the past it's like i mean the cover of it is a dude riding a dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's very um true survivor yeah exactly it's like it's supposed to be like this really hardcore like survival kind of rpg and yeah there's some other cool stuff there but it's it's like you get all these variations that are not dungeons and dragons not pathfinder and you you get to start like you know looking at all these different variations on the theme and how some of them may resonate really well with people like um numenera which which added a lot more eberron like type of actual like magic stuff and magic technology Mm. and that's that was something that uh, there was a void for so that that got a lot of funding and that's the same kind of thing with unity they also added a lot more like technology technological like magic kind of base and all these different people have such really cool ideas that they're able to just bring to fruition. Right. And I want to also sort of leverage a point that you made about Open mm-hmm. Legend to talk about how it's not just people who have ideas about setting. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, lore obviously very important for a lot of RPGs and you can look at any almost any of the ones that we've mentioned and say that mm-hmm. okay, this person developed a world. They developed a setting and an RPG to go along with that setting that you can play through. But that's not the only type of thing that's out there. You know, people who are doing uh, the Open Legend Kickstarter, the mm-hmm. Fate Core System yeah. Kickstarter. These are people who just have idea, mechanical ideas, ideas for systems that can be mm-hmm. used to do whatever the hell you want, yeah. basically, and are putting it out there and saying like, hey, use this, do whatever you want with it, do something really fun. We think that this is a solid core gameplay mechanic and we want to see what people do with it. So, exactly. you know, not just innovating in terms of the types of content although obviously given mm-hmm. the sort of niches that we've identified language and and shapeshifters in the pacific northwest or what have you yeah you know but also innovation in terms of the types of things that you're doing mechanically so mm-hmm. it's really uh honestly just browsing the rpg section on kickstarter is really fascinating you gotta get through a lot of video games yeah to to find them but some of the ones that are out there are really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 yeah, with the mechanics, it's interesting because like you're starting to have like different ways of resolving things. So like you know, for games like Dialect and uh, Microscope, you're more storytelling than anything else, and like uh, it's almost similar to a game like um, The Quiet Year, which mm-hmm. has a much more cooperative storytelling kind of idea to it rather than a gm like running a game yeah exactly and then you have something like phoenix dawn command which as we mentioned like is is all resolved by cards and that's the thing that like you know it's just really cool and like you you level up by dying i mean come on that that's a mechanic that like is pretty amazing and it's it's one that people just don't really think about Right. Well, and it's it's one that, again, going back to sort of this idea about taking risks, it's one that didn't necessarily have to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say it's a really ambitious idea, it's really creative, but it's one that could be implemented very, very poorly. Yeah. And so, you know, people are taking a gamble when they look at this, but people have faith in these creators mm-hmm. or are willing to risk, you know, whatever the 20 bucks it is to get the print and play copy. Yeah. 
for something that you know gets play tested well and it turns out to be really fantastic mm-hmm. and this was another thing while we were looking into this was i had trouble finding stories about rpgs on kickstarter that had failed mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure they exist yeah. um you know I'm, I'm sure that that's happened but overwhelmingly what i was seeing was excitement mm-hmm. you know stuff that's about this is the next big thing or this is a really fascinating system that people have tried so you know just that sort of almost a positive feedback loop yeah of this is really unconventional we're going to put it on kickstarter it does really well other people are encouraged to put their own unconventional thing on kickstarter mm-hmm. and it also just goes to show you that there's such a wealth of like talent mm-hmm. you know out there that people do really have the capacity to develop these these things yeah exactly and it's just it's fun to see what are the new ideas that are coming out what are the it's also just interesting to see like because in the 80s and 70s uh, probably more 80s there was a glut of rpgs they just like you know you've got white wolf publishing you've got all these different kinds of rpgs that are coming out maybe using similar systems but very different themes and very different ideas that are going into them right and then it's interesting to see like nowadays like which ones are getting resurrected mm-hmm. like you know you've got the swashbuckling seventh c you've got the mythology of, of the scion second edition and it's like which ones of these are like are the ideas that even though the game mechanics may not have been the best back then like let's refine it let's get it let's get this the proper funding that it needs let's get this the the development that it needs in order to become this really really good system yeah absolutely wonderful to see hopefully all of our effusive talk i know i've been very very positive uh, yeah. I promise I didn't take uppers before we recorded. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully all of this has encouraged you to check out Kickstarter, see where you can find some really interesting, unique RPGs that appeal to you. Uh, we really just do think it's a fascinating and very innovative space. So. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's a look at Kickstarter RPGs and some of our thoughts about how, why, where, and give give us more at the table. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, chop chop. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragons of the Mize. We hope that you enjoyed it. Be sure to tune in to our live stream this week, which is going to be a little bit of an early Massive Darkness stream since we have Thanksgiving coming up. We'll be streaming on Twitch and on YouTube. And be sure to tune in next week for really cool announcement to do with Patreon as well as another awesome review.